How's it going, y'all? This is episode three. I think it's starting to get a little clearer now. So, this is, I would like to, I would like to call this the third part of a series. So, I guess that means this podcast has started off with a series. I think that's kind of cool. Maybe we'll have these um, sorts of series for different topics and different things as we go along. But uh, I believe in the last episode, which uh, I recorded only just a few minutes ago, I talked about, um, gosh, what did I talk about? This was only just a few minutes ago. Uh, Context, personal context. So how events and things in my life led to me being the kind of person that I am. I'm going to attempt to do this in as succinct a way as possible is that the right usage of the word if anyone's like got a teaching background or a grammar background let me know um so context i uh i was born I was born in the UK on November 9th, 1985. Is that too much information? I don't know. I don't think so. 1985. So, you can do the math, you figure out just about how old I am. And um, that'll start to give you a little bit more context. 1985, London. Uh, I spent a little bit of time there. Not of my own choice, of course, or will, excuse me. But I was there for a while. And uh, I don't have too many memories of the place. But I do have enough to feel nostalgic about it. I've always felt nostalgic about it. And um, my parents, oh, my parents, okay, yeah. My dad was a geologist by training, if I'm not mistaken. You'll find out why I think so in just a minute. But um, the impression that I always had as a kid was that he was always into architecture, building, construction, that sort of thing. But more on the design side, you know, I came across little scraps of paper with some of his drawings of like... uh, uh, 
not necessarily buildings, but like parts of buildings that needed to be worked on, you know. But um, yeah, so I don't know. I guess I just kind of concluded that my dad was an architect. Okay, so. And because of that, I wanted to be an architect. Go figure. I wanted to be like my dad. I thought he was cool, you know. I thought, um, I thought, I thought that was the example that I was going to follow, or supposed to. Now, that is something that's very important. That statement. But you won't realize the importance of that until much later. My mom, also a very interesting person. Maybe more interesting than my dad in some ways. She was a musician is, excuse me, my goodness, is, well, was, just kind of moved on to different things, so, yeah, was is kind of right, but that's what she's known for, and, uh, I would say a rather, rather well-known and well-regarded one in Nigeria and, you know, around the continent, I would say, but for different things, of course. So I already, just by virtue of the kind of parents that I had, found myself in in a very interesting scenario as I came to understand what was going on and um, I was my mother's first Um, jeez I'm my mother's first guys do have to forgive this is um this might be a little hard to talk about at times but I'm willing to go through it because I think it's worth it so yeah my parents you know very interesting people lived in the UK for a little bit and then something weird happened right we moved I don't remember exactly when but I know that not long after we were in Nigeria And um, (sighs) 
essentially I've grown up here or I've spent a good portion of my early years here those 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 growing up growing up years I left here at 16 for the US for context but this place was always very unusual to me never really made much sense You know, just couldn't quite wrap my head around it. And I couldn't really understand people either. I um, just found myself not really connecting. So at a very early age, I became that kid you know the one quiet one I was also an only child so maybe to a certain degree I had gotten used to being a certain amount of on my own at least within the context of other kids I can feel myself sobering up. <laughs> like I said, you know, this is a play-by-play. -play. I worded it differently, of course, but same difference. So, I never really connected. I had friends. I found people that I enjoyed spending time with but I was always okay by myself maybe that has a lot more to do with my character but I also think that my initial environment also brought it out and with my I would say with my mother being uh, basically a celebrity, especially at the time that I was born, I didn't even know I was in the papers and all of that fun stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, that did happen. She basically... Uh, had to be a little protective or felt she had to be especially when it came to uh, kids and the public I think anyone who has found themselves in a position of being well known for something uh, could attest to the potential veracity that is the general public I don't want that to come off as um, well I hope it doesn't 
but yeah, that's what I mean. Sometimes I'm general public for other people, so there you go. It meant that uh, I didn't realize this at the time, but it meant a certain level of sheltering. And understandably so, considering And I was cool with it because I was that quiet kid, so it didn't really bother me. I didn't feel like it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was out of place. What felt out of place were all the other kids. And uh, one of the things that also did happen was that I changed schools a fair amount. Not too much, but enough. Enough to be the new guy every once in a while. You know, enough to... Enough to be dropped into friendships and conversations that started... And contexts that started years prior. So, forming bonds and connecting with people was something that was hard for me. Not in the sense that it was a difficult muscle to flex, but just that sometimes I had never really bothered doing so because, hey, who's to say? And to be fair, life comes with a certain amount of that, no matter which way you slice it. So what it meant is that I became very thoughtful, introspective, quiet, focused, kind of person. I, I had a kind heart, have a kind heart by default I was afraid I was afraid of the people around me but who isn't as a kid, we all experience it, I suppose. But I got over it. I got over that fear. I learned just by putting in effort to socialize, to form friendships, to be cool, <laughs> even. <laughs> I figured that one out later in the, in the game. But, uh, 
What I didn't realize was that while I was doing all of these things, I wasn't being myself. Which brings us to point number one. Was that I went through a very good portion of my early life not being myself and also not realizing it and in so doing thinking that the character that I had formed was me. And that was the beginning of a lot of mistakes. Is because I would always feel it. I always had that sense, that ability to feel deeply. I believe it came from the quiet, through the quiet, from somewhere else. And a part of what I have done is squander that sense. Essentially, killing it. I won't keep doing that anymore. Because every time I get time away from this, it grows. It comes back stronger. To bring things forward a little bit. And clear, more connected. It's this very unusual outgrowth come from from this activity having done so for so long a part of it requires me getting into the nature of what it is which I believe I will do in another episode mistake this for a break in transmission. It's just an intermission. I learned to be cool. I learned to be outgoing or present myself that way. But I never could sustain it. Not in the way that people who really were outgoing could. So... I would always have to come back, find somewhere quiet, and recharge. Get myself together. Oh, 
some circles what I have been describing to you for the last let's call it two and a half episodes what I have been describing to you is regarded in some circles as an addiction I personally have been back and forth with it mainly because I understand that it is a choice like I make the choice to do that every time that I have done it it has only happened because I've allowed it to to happen only because I've allowed it to do so that being said I also do recognize the compulsive nature of it it tends to excuse me while I myself in a more comfortable position it has a tendency to take on a life of its own in the sense that you want to do it when you don't want to do it and a lot of the time it almost doesn't matter what your obligations or responsibilities are or who the people are in your life you still go ahead with it so in that way it is an addiction but not in the same way that you would uh, describe something like a heroin addiction or it's a kind of substance addiction because what the pornography actually does I guess we're getting into some of what episode 4 is about uh, is that it stimulates your brain and it does this uh, by virtue of the images that you see in your brain produces a lot of dopamine squirts it all over the place no pun intended Um, and so it's kind of like a drug you know it's just the mechanisms are different and the thing about dopamine is that it relaxes it soothes it de-stresses it removes anxiety It's a feel-good, you know, it's an all-around feel-good kind of thing. And we produce this naturally for all kinds of reasons. Uh, We form a new habit with a good outcome, dopamine. Pornography, dopamine. Chocolate, dopamine. 
sugar, dopamine. You get my point. So, with all of this context, and I know I've gone, you know, from where I was born to my parents to the nature of this stuff. But to wrap all of those things up, I've lived a rather unique life. And much of it has been fraught with scenarios that are not common, not commonly experienced. uh, Having a parent who's a very well-known person is not that common of an experience in relation to the rest of the world's population. So I also grew up, even though I was a quiet kid, I grew up with a lot of attention, or at least it felt that way. A lot of people always looking to see how I was going to turn out, or if I was going to, I don't know, just what I was going to be like, considering... And that came with a kind of pressure, a pressure to impress, a pressure to do well, a pressure to perform. And perform I did. Very well. I think I did pretty good. But it wasn't the right thing to do. Because I never got to explore myself. Perhaps I would have known this earlier. But when I did leave Nigeria, I was about 16 when I did, when I did leave. I, uh, I had the opportunity to explore myself. Who I was, who I was turning into who I wanted to be. And for the early parts, the stories weren't matching. I wasn't turning into the person I thought I was supposed to be. But who I thought I was supposed to be was based on what I thought everyone else would like to see. And so, Piece by piece by piece by piece. Everything, and by that virtue, every institution that I tried to be a part of, that I tried to join or tried to incorporate into myself, or be incorporated into it 
just never really worked out. I was in school for a long time. But ultimately that didn't work out. At least not for my masters. I I walked away from my thesis. Final thesis. Completed all my coursework. Had presented this maybe about three times or so. I just hadn't seemed to get it. You know, I've gotten it right. And by the fourth time, I gave it a shot. And I still didn't get approved. And at this point, I had pretty much um, decided to leave the country. Had moved back here to Nigeria, which is where I am currently broadcasting out of. And I was just over it. I had spent uh, years trying to get a job after graduating undergrad, which was in 2009. And it just didn't go either. The closest I ever got was uh, hmm, I would say two times the closest I got. The first was an internship. It was unpaid. Uh, at least officially. No, it was unpaid. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to put anyone in any, uh, you know, but it was unpaid, all right. But I got to work in an agency kind of setting, and that was, I enjoyed that. I think that was the closest I felt to being a part of something like that institutionally. But it's a small agency, you know, so at the time, <laughs> I think I'll leave names out of it for the time being. But yes, I sent out numerous applications to numerous places. But the truth is, was that I didn't really want a job. Not in the sense that I didn't want to do something for a living. I just didn't want to work for anyone. And it took me a while to realize that. But it was only after not being able to get one and just deciding that I had to do something. And so I started freelancing as a graphic designer. So, you see, what I was trying to be just wasn't going because it wasn't really, uh, I don't want to use this word, but I will in this scenario. It, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't resonating with who I really was and who I was evolving into being. 
it wasn't resonating. So, much like many other things, throughout the rest of the time that I was there, which was about 13 years, from 2002 to 2015, was a process of finding out and understanding just who I was so that I could line up things in my life in a way that just made for a better life. I was better suited, better attuned to who I actually am. And I had to be honest with myself along the way. But before that, I had to uncover all the lies that I told myself because of who I was trying to be in order to impress other people. Why have I said all of these things? Because what it does is it gives context to the things, the actions, decisions, and scenarios that led me to both hiding this aspect of myself and thus it turning into what it turned into because it did so in secret to the actual thoughts and things and traumas and events that led me to seeking this out as a solution to the pain. Because you see, I was causing myself a lot of pain by repressing. years old now and porn maybe I need to be a little more nuanced with that and uh, I think I have spent close to half, and this is uh, very hard for me to, uh, very hard for me to say. I spent close to half of my life dealing with this in one way or another. It's not cool anymore. It's not good anymore. But 
there is hope. I am still alive. You are still alive. You are still here. I want to change and you want to change. At least I hope so. Some of you anyway. For, for anyone else listening who may not be in the same scenario, maybe you know someone. Maybe you know someone. And uh, what my hope is that is that over time, you will come to think of this as a good place to recommend for people who have been through this, who have been through extended periods of uh, adversity, especially on the psychological plane, and for people who want to make something better of themselves. I'll be honest with you, I am experiencing uh, a certain amount of fear over doing this. Right now, I'm only just recording, but by the time you hear this, well, you'll be listening to it, and that's the part that I'm scared of. Because as you now understand, I've kind of been going about things that way for a while. Always thinking about what other people think. How to impress them and not really thinking about what actually works for me. It's led to a lot of disingenuous things, both in terms of my actions, both in terms of what I've done or said to people, and in terms of what's happened to me, what I've allowed to happen to me. So, this seems to feel like a natural end, so I'm going to end it here. We'll pick this up in the next episode, which is uh, episode four. I'm kind of a little bit uh, surprised that well, I've recorded three episodes so far. <laughs> uh, that's pretty cool. And uh, we'll be on to the fourth. And um, what I 
envision happening now is uh, posting all of these as a introductory mini series to the podcast so that should you want to do so you can just listen to the entire mini series and it'll get you right up to speed with <laughs> where I'm at, where things are, what direction they're headed in, how we got here, and where we're going. If you've made the decision to come with me. Now, going into the fourth episode, I do feel this important to say, even though it's obvious. I'm not a perfect person. Far from it. And as many of these episodes and monologues will show is that uh, there's a lot more going on than met the eye from the outside. But what I hope is that you're coming to this with an open mind, with an understanding mind, with an empathetic mind to a degree, although all minds are welcome. And um, I hope that you gain something from the story of the experience that I have had so far and the content or the stories of the experiences that you hopefully and I will have going forward because the truth is this podcast isn't really about the past despite the fact that it has started off that way it is about the future it's about the future and I do recognize that we are living in a very interesting time more on that later but to be more immediate for episode 4 since I've put a lot of things into context I think episode 4 is going to be a rather deep dive into the nature 
of um, into the nature of of what this is and the things that I have experienced from it and I know that I'm also still going to need to give a little bit more context you know a lot of context is going to be needed as we go along so without uh, putting too much out in each episode and just overwhelming you guys with hard-hitting stuff I'm sort of taking it as I go along as you all can obviously hear So, for episode four, I'm almost, you know, boy, (laughs) we're going to go into the deep dive into the nature of what this stuff is, why, why I have used it as a way of numbing pain and why I've made the decision to live a different kind of life. So, (laughs) to keep things going, to keep things moving, I hope you guys have an awesome one and we'll catch up, we'll talk in the next episode. Goodbye. Signing off. Deucing out. Stepping away. Taking off. All right, I'm out of here.